Welcome to Taiwan Report News and Analysis from Taiwan. I'm Donovan Smith. On today's show, we've got lots of headlines on the COVID-19 virus. Premier Su touts his achievements and extends transitional justice. And the KMT chair race, voter count is expected to drop. So, first up, Taipei Times, virus outbreak, lawmakers back WHO participation for Taiwan. Lawmakers across party lines issued a joint statement calling for Taiwan's participation in the WHO and its decision-making body, the WHA, and urging the global health body to make a distinction between Taiwan and China. Now, it's good to see that both the KMT and the DPP came together to deliver a statement to the world on this. Virus outbreak, again in the Taipei Times, two new cases related to the 24th patient. Obviously, that's alarming that it's spreading, but so far, we're looking pretty good. Now, the uncertain origins, this is Focus Taiwan, of Taiwan's 24th COVID-19 case perplexes experts. Now, this is obviously of concern, but the virus did not spread into the community, and this is where we had the first death. The minister, this was a dispatch driver in Zhanghua, and he infected several members, or three to be specific, oh sorry, four, uh, to four relatives at a family gathering. However, those four people did not spread it to the community at large, so that's a good sign. Now, Taiwan has successfully synthesized antiviral drug Remdesir. That may sound like good news, but there may, may be one concern. It says here in Focus Taiwan, despite the synthesis, it will still require the authorization of the drug's developer to mass produce the medication. Meanwhile, the CECC outlines contingency plan for the community spread of COVID-19. Now, at a press conference, now this is the Central Epidemic Command Center, said on Saturday that it has planned a series of response measures in the event that the novel coronavirus begins to spread at the community level. At a press conference, Shi uh, Zhongliang Director General of the Department of Medical Affairs at the Ministry of Health and Welfare said the CECC's four-part prevention plan is based on Taiwan's experience of dealing with the 2003-2004 outbreak of SARS. Now, if you recall back then, there were several community outbreaks. Buildings and hospitals had to be completely quarantined, and there was considerable panic at the time. All right, back to the Taipei Times. Virus outbreak, travel alerts raised for Japan and South Korea. The Central Epidemic Command Center yesterday raised the travel advisories for Japan and South Korea to level two alert, practice enhanced precautions. After rapidly rising numbers of locally transmitted COVID-19 infections were reported. Meanwhile, Penghu bans overseas travel by officials. And this just breaking, Taiwan confirms two more cases of COVID-19 of unknown source, which brings that up to three now. Now, this is interesting. COVID-19 origin could be natural or synthetic NTU professor. A professor at National Taiwan University's College of Public Health on Saturday waded into the highly contentious debate over the origins of the COVID-19 coronavirus. 
saying that the virus could indeed be synthetic, but that much more research is needed before a definitive conclusion can be reached. Now, the theory that the COVID-19 was developed in a laboratory and accidentally released has gained enough attention in recent weeks to draw a statement from the World Health Organization, which said conspiracy theories only undermine its response efforts. Further in the article, it goes on citing recent research by French scientists on the genetic sequencing of COVID-19. Fong said it has a 96% resemblance to the RATG13 bat virus, samples of which were reportedly stored at the Wuhan Virology Institute, which is, of course, quite near where the the virus initially started. However, this similarity has raise discussions in academic circles. Now, this is something that worldwide a lot of people have been talking about. This researcher is not the first to have raised this. However, a 99% similarity between viruses is a more accurate standard for determining origins, Fong said. And of course, as you as just noted, there's a 96% resemblance. Now, back to the Taipei Times, Premier Tout's Cabinet's Achievements. There's a few things here which are interesting. Premier Su Zhenzhang yesterday at the Legislative Yuan in Taipei touted his cabinet's achievements in areas ranging from disease prevention, the cultural and creative sectors, and renewable energy to collaborations with the indigenous defense industry. Now, a couple of things I'm going to pull out here from this. Photovoltaic electricity production or generation on September 2 last year reached 2 million kilowatt hours. Now, that means that it exceeds the output capacity of generators at one of two uh, nuclear power plants in the country. Now, as he notes, the nation's electricity operating reserve slumped to 1.64% in May of 2015. But thanks to the construction of offshore wind farms and solar power facilities, the operating reserve and reserve margin have consistently hit 10% and 16% respectively. Now, 10% is the margin that Thai Power usually or states that they want to keep at all times, that anything below that is worrying. Meanwhile, 22 wind turbines in a wind farm off Miaoli County's Junan Township have commenced operations and are expected to produce enough electricity to power 128,000 households, more than half the number of households in the county, he said. The government has been collaborating with the local... Okay, so that's my next topic. Now, these giant wind turbines, mostly off the coast of Zhanghua, but some off of Taichung, Yunlin, and Miaoli, are expected to hit about 5.5 uh, gigawatt uh, hours by... 2025 if they meet their targets and 10 by 2030 now unfortunately wind doesn't always blow so that's the that's the maximum amount if the wind is blowing all the time in reality they may get 60 or 70 percent of that because they're offshore the wind does blow most of the time but not always the government has also been collaborating here with local defense industry on pro projects to build indigenous planes and ships. Those include the T5, T5 Brave Eagle Advanced Jet Trainer, debuted last year, and also the Coast Guard has taken ownership of a 40,000-ton cruiser, the nation's largest ever, that can carry helicopters. Now the Navy is expected to receive 71 new vessels by 2019. Now what's interesting here is that 
the Transitional Justice Commission will continue. So here we have a, a DPP legislator asked whether the government would extend the life of the Transitional Justice Commission, whose operations are subject to a two-year limit under the Act on Promoting Transitional Justice, but which can be extended for a year at the discretion of the Premier. Sue said that he would invoke the extension so that the Commission could continue its research and compile more detailed reports on the white terror era. Uh, it is impossible for the injustices perpetrated by the state over several decades to be redressed in a two-year time frame, he, he added. Well, what's interesting is that there have been announcements and more announcements and more announcements about things that this commission is going to do, include in looking at, for example, the Chiang Kai-shek Memorial and possibly repurposing it or renaming it, and other issues like removing him from and... Uh, Sun Yat-sen from the currency, also changing road names that are named after those two and the three principles of the people. However, these announcements have come, the deadlines have passed, and there's been not a peep. Now that the election is over, they might move on these things, but they've been awfully quiet recently. Now, the KMT, this is also in the Taipei Times, KMT expecting fewer voters at chair by-election. Now, the KMT expects 100,000 fewer voters for its chairmanship by-election on March 7th than in 2017, a, a party source said. Today is the deadline for party members to pay their dues, allowing them eligibility to vote in the election. The source said that the party expects only 310,000 members would be eligible to vote. Now, what's interesting about this is they say that there's 100,000 less. The article does not explicitly say that the, the membership roles have dropped, although this obviously suggests that this might be the case. There's a lot less KMT, paid-up KMT members. That's hugely bad news for the party. The party is hemorrhaging cash. It has massive pension liabilities that are essentially sinking it. So the party's going further and further into debt. Now, the article goes on here that 190,000 eligible voters are exempt from paying party dues. In other words, the party, well over half of the membership, doesn't even have to pay for their party dues. In a lot of cases, because they've been a senior member after 40 years, they're from a, a, a low-income household, they're over and over 65 years old. Now, if they're over 65 years old and they're getting free membership, that is, of course, going to help flood the membership with older voters. And the party has been consistently worrying about the fact that they have only three point some odd percent of the membership is below the age of 40. Another interesting number here, party members from the KMT's influential Huangfuxing chapter account for about 80,000, more than 20 percent of the eligible voters. The chapter is known for its ability to mobilize members during elections and anticipates a 60 to 70 percent turnout amongst its members. This suggests that they may make up as much as a third or 40 percent because that turnout is quite high. It's probably going to be higher than the party at large. Now, the Huang Fuxin chapter is military veterans, and they tend to be deep, deep blue. Now, of the two candidates, how long been the former uh, vice chair and cam and KMT mayor of Taipei City, he comes from a military family. His father is the former pr premier Hao Po Tsun. 
And he was also the head of the military and a high-ranking general and fought in wars and all that. So he would seemingly be the choice that the Huang Fuxing would probably favor. However, this is an unusual election. And as I've said before, one thing that to watch in this election for the KMT chair, if the party goes for how long being, this means that they are not particularly panicked. He is much more like in age, in background, uh, he is much more like the KMT membership. So he would be, under all normal circumstances, the favored candidate. However, KMT candidate Johnny Chang, he's a lawmaker from here in Taichung, he is 47, he's much younger, he's Taiwanese, and he's a local factional Paul. So he, of course, would be, a, traditionally, he'd be considered something of a risky pick by the KMT party membership, but he's younger, he's more energetic, he's done well in his last elections, and they may be worried enough about their electoral prospects going forward after two disastrous national defeats that they may go for him. So whoever they pick is going to be very, very interesting. All right, I just want to point out a couple of interesting uh, articles that I came across that are that be fun to read, I think. The Taiwan Gazette. Did you know that the first Golden Horse Award was given out during a Hokkien language film festival? I found the article interesting. If you're a history buff, definitely check that out. Also, over at Ketagalan Media, time for Taiwan to get serious about retaining its top foreign talent. This makes the case that Taiwan needs more foreign talent, and it really needs to get on the ball. Of course, news is ongoing, but tomorrow we won't have a Taiwan report because me and Michael Turton will be filming Current Affairs Taiwan. I look forward to seeing you on that show. This has been brought to you by the Taiwan Report. For more content like this, become our patron at report.tw. Hey, I'm just that Taiwan girl.